Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials for the buy one Get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. You're tuned in to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The American Journal, Infowars.com, band.video. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. What a day. What a day. We got uh, videos that, if you're anything like me, they'll boil boil your blood. Yeah, a lot of uh, infuriating stuff to talk about today. But we'll try to keep it light. We'll take your phone calls, of course. We're welcoming Savannah Hernandez in the third hour. Very exciting show. But let's begin, as we always do, with our Daily Dispatch. Oh, yes. Here it is, folks, your Daily Dispatch for Thursday, the 3rd of March, 2022. A million people have fled Ukraine as Russia nears takeover of Port City. The number of refugees fleeing across the borders of Ukraine has reached a grim milestone, the UN said, as Russia's, Russia's siege of key cities across the country extended into Thursday, with Moscow saying it now controls the city in southern Ukraine. The UN's top refugee official said on Wednesday that one million people have now fled across the borders of Ukraine since Russian forces uh, forces invaded a week ago, saying, quote, in just seven days, we've witnessed an exodus of one million refugees from Ukraine to neighboring countries. U.N. High Commissioner for Refugees, Filippo Grandi, wrote in a tweet on Wednesday. And this might be shocking to um, Europeans out there to actually experience what a legitimate refugee crisis is like see you'll notice a few differences here the ukrainians are fleeing in front of a marching army who's bombing cities and they're trying to get out alive with their families grabbing what little they can carry and getting on whichever train gets them the farthest the fastest and going to the most close neighboring peaceful country and asking for asylum there as a large group. I know it's confusing because up till now, it's been a slow trickle of year upon year of people from places that aren't exactly under imminent attack uh, coming a couple thousand miles to land wherever uh, gives them the most benefits. So it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment period for the EU to uh, figure out how to deal with legitimate refugees. But you can expect, since the refugees are, in this case, 
of the white race, uh, they will likely be um, sent back without any uh, ceremony whatsoever. Can't have that. None of that. That's not what the refugee crisis is all about. Saving people from war? No, 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 no. Quite the opposite. Meanwhile, Ukraine's Special Operations Command announces they're going to start committing war crimes. I know this might seem like a surprise to most people as well. Uh, not the type of thing you normally see in uh, modern warfare, using social media to quite literally announce your war crime. But interestingly enough, uh, the announcement of this is in and of itself a war crime, and we'll talk all about it. The Treaty of uh, Rome, the UN laws governing war and uh, preventing genocide. Well, Ukraine's Special Operations Command announced on Thursday on Facebook that Ukrainian soldiers who try to surrender henceforth will be, quote, slaughtered like pigs while they're begging for mercy. This is a egregious and flagrant violation of the laws of war that dictate that you cannot but you cannot both uh, slaughter people who have peacefully surrendered and don't have a way to defend themselves but you also can't announce that you're going to do that so that is a war crime that ukraine's committing but don't worry they're the good guys and nothing they do will ever come under any uh, you know, concern by those in the media. Meanwhile, the January 6th committee lays out potential criminal charges against Trump. The House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol, the burning of the Capitol, the Reichstag 2.0, said on Wednesday that there was enough evidence to conclude that former President Donald J. Trump and some of his allies might have conspired to commit fraud and obstruction by misleading Americans about the outcome of the 2020 election and attempting to overturn the result, which, my God, how much can we say about this? Uh, Long story short, this was the point the entire time. They've already impeached the man over this, and it failed. But uh, that's not going to stop them from trying to prevent Donald Trump from ever being elected again by misusing their congressional power to carry out a criminal investigation. Uh, again, this is we're just we're living in tyranny now, and this is what it's like. Meanwhile, Representative Van Taylor apologizes for affair with ISIS bride, uh, abruptly drops. His re-election bid, we'll get into that a little bit more later. And finally, the J&J vaccine recipients were five times more likely to be hospital, hospitalized with COVID as Pfizer recipients, uh, meaning that, yeah, the Pfizer vaccine didn't work and the J&J vaccine didn't even work even more. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Open up the phone lines nice and early today. Welcoming Savannah Hernandez in the third hour. I have a lot of videos to show you. And again, you know, I guess, you know, things just come in waves here uh, in the news. You know, you you might not get a lot of news one day and the next day you're just jammed full of news. And uh, often it's all, yeah, I'm not saying it's orchestrated or anything, but we've got at least two examples of uh, students in universities across the United States uh, shouting down speakers and essentially engaged in the heckler's veto uh, by gathering a bunch of black-clad, masked, zombie-like mental and physical incompetence to uh, yell and curse at people who they disagree with to the extent that those people have to uh, hide and be shielded by the police as these terroristic mobs run around baying for their blood. And it's just a a nice and gentle reminder that while our national security is being undermined on the international front to the extent that we seem to be heading headlong into nuclear conflict with Russia, uh, here in the domestic front, things are just as bad and getting worse. So we'll cover all of that today. 
as well. But let's see. We got a, a bunch of good uh, videos here. We're going to start with Russia. We're going to start with Ukraine. And we're going to start with a flashback to the beginning of last month. And we have a clip from a nightly news broadcast on February 1st. Because, again, if you are just a, a mainstream media viewer, I wonder. I really wonder what you think Putin is doing. Like if you go up to just a random person in the street and ask them, why did Russia invade Ukraine? Do they, have a, do they know why? Do they have a speculation why? Uh, do they have any sort of guess as to what might have precipitated this conflict? Or if they listen to the mainstream media, do they think that there is no reason Putin is just an insane person who for no reason with no goals decided to attack a neighboring country just because he felt like it? Like this is the, this is the level of reasoning that goes on in the mainstream media. And it's a little bit uh, dangerous actually because the fact is that it's a superpower. It's a massive country, well-armed, well-organized. And you can't just ignore everything they say and expect things to go swimmingly. You can't just act like everything they do is just a outburst of senseless insanity and then expect to actually confront those issues with any semblance of reality. So let's go now to... Clip number nine. This is the NBC nightly news broadcast. Not from recently, and I know it's kind of confusing. I didn't realize. It took me a second to realize that this was from a month ago. Somebody sent me this clip on Twitter, and I watched it and uh, thought it was from yesterday because it's exactly the same thing that's happening over and over. We're stuck in this uh, groundhog day of misinformation. But let's go to a video, again, from the 1st of February, so weeks before this invasion was launched, while Russia was still staging people on the border of Ukraine. Everybody seemed to know that the invasion was coming. This was our last chance to prevent the invasion or somehow find some some sort of diplomatic solution to the concerns that Russia was expressing. And so let's go back to February 1st, 2022 and hear what could have been a diplomatic solution to this that was scuttled by the United States. Let's watch. ...to pull back its military buildup threatening Ukraine. President Vladimir Putin insisting it's the U.S. that's trying to start war over Ukraine. But he's not ruling out a diplomatic solution. Richard Engel is in Ukraine. In a widely socially distanced joint statement with the Prime Minister of Hungary, Russian President Vladimir Putin broke weeks of silence on Ukraine and for the first time responded to written diplomatic proposals from the U.S. and NATO. Russia's concerns were basically ignored, Putin said. He laid out his security demands, unchanged, even after weeks of negotiations with the U.S. Non-expansion of NATO, no offensive weapons by Russia's borders, he said. Putin never mentioned the 130,000 Russian troops mobilized on Ukraine's borders, including tanks, warships, missiles, and even fresh blood supplies. Instead, the Russian president talked about Crimea. Russia seized and annexed it from Ukraine in 2014. Putin says if Ukraine joins NATO, Ukraine would try to recapture Crimea, triggering a full-blown war between NATO and Russia. So Putin's arguing that what he's doing now 
is in the interest of world peace. President Putin did leave open the door for diplomacy. He said he hopes to have further discussions in the coming weeks. But it's clear that Putin is sticking to his core demand that Ukraine never be allowed to join NATO. The implied threat? All those troops that were never mentioned. Lester? See, NATO is a military alliance. It's not a trade organization. It's not like the EU, which is like a common market um, establishment. At first, you know, of course, they, they want the EU army to happen, but NATO is an explicitly military alliance, right? Meaning that if one member of NATO gets into a conflict, depending on the exact uh, specification of the conflict, it means the other people have to get involved as well. So what Putin was saying there, you can take, take it for what it's worth, you can decide whether you agree with this or not, is that Following the annex, uh, annexation of uh, Crimea, Ukraine really wanted it back. It wanted to take Crimea back. Whether it deserves to take Crimea back, again, is a question of history. Crimea was basically gifted to Ukraine by the communist dictator. I think it was Khrushchev in 1956, which gave Crimea to Ukraine. Like as a little gift because he was from Ukraine. He just – he wanted them to have this valuable piece of land. But Crimea holds Russian naval bases. And it is their only access to the Black Sea, which in turn is its only access to the Mediterranean and all of the shipping uh, routes that go through there. It's only warm weather port. It's only naval outpost. So it's sort of imperative on the – for the, the Russian national security to maintain this piece of land. Again, it's sort of, sort of reasonable on Russia's part to say, yeah, we need access to our naval bases. We need access to our – to, to warm weather so we can ship – or uh, warm weather ports, warm water ports rather so we can ship things. Sort of an existential matter for Russia. And so what they were thinking was that if Ukraine joins NATO, then they would have the backing to be able to go into Crimea. They would launch an attack on Crimea, and if Russia tried to defend Crimea, it would call in all of NATO, and all of NATO would then be at war with Russia. And so his demand was that Ukraine not join NATO in order to prevent this war spiraling uh, outwards into a larger conflict. And of course, the seizing of Crimea came after the coup that took place, the Maidan revolution that took place in 2014, which itself was a follow-up to the Orange Revolution that took place in 2004 that ousted the pro-president, uh, pro-Russia president who was then reelected four years later and then ousted again in the Maidan revolution. So every time a Russian president – a pro, pro-Russian president rather was elected to lead Ukraine and was actually making deals with Russia and favoring Russia over the EU because frankly Russia gave them better deals. Russia was like giving them a pipeline and giving them very good terms whereas the EU was really offering Ukraine nothing. And so the president at the time was going to go with the Russia agreement, going to sign and uh, solidify the allyship or the – friendliness between Ukraine and Russia and CIA, George Soros, and you know all the people that have overthrown this country, they didn't want that to happen. So they performed a coup, kicked out this president, installed their own, and uh, Russia didn't want, that to, didn't want that to happen, didn't want to lose, once again, their base in Crimea, and so they uh, took it back over. Now, when we come back on the other side, I'll show you another video, not from Putin, but from somebody on the ground, an activist in the Donbass region, talking about why they think 
this war is justified and what they've lost as a consequence of the 2014 coup and the ensuing civil war that took place in Ukraine with Eastern separatists not wanting to be a part of the so-called democracy of Western Ukraine. It was actually more ethnically and culturally inclined to be closer to Russia. Since then, shelling has taken place basically continuously. Reports are 14,000 dead over the last 10 years or so. It's important to know this stuff. It has been noted by many a historian the first casualty of war is the truth. Then the next big casualty isn't even the people that die. No, that invariably follows. But first, there is the crackdown on populations, basic liberty and speech and massive censorship. And now across the world, from the United States to Europe, legislations being introduced that if you amplify any, quote, pro-Russian information, you can be censored, you can be arrested, you can be imprisoned. And of course, now Canada's introduced legislation that if you have a thought crime and they think you may have the intent to engage in hate speech online, that you will be censored and arrested. Ladies and gentlemen, the authoritarianism is being carried out by the globalists around the world against humanity. That makes InfoWars.com more important than ever. The globalist social engineers always intended to push their COVID biomedical tyranny lockdowns until the populations rebelled. They would then use that as the pretext for permanent martial law and banning and arresting anybody that speaks out against their lives. But because of so many scientists and engineers and researchers and others coming public and, and whistleblowers, now their whole project is falling apart because the people are aware that it is a world government corporate takeover. And so it's pulling back the curtain now more than ever. The problem is some globalist controlled areas are not going to give up on their takeover, like Canada, where they've now declared a civil emergency and martial law in Ontario and other areas of the world are following suit, like Australia. So pray for these folks big time. This is a very serious situation. And stay tuned into Infowars.com because truth is absolutely paramount. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Talk about the Ukraine Russia war that's going on. I'm going to show another video here. This one from uh, RT. Of course, RT has been banned in uh, various different forms. YouTube and Facebook banned RT. Uh, DirecTV kicked off uh, RT off their network. RT is essentially the Russian equivalent of BBC, right? It's the Russian state media outlet. And according to Paul Joseph Watson, you can't even access the RT website in UK without getting a VPN. So apparently there's some sort of countrywide block on RT in that country. And again, this is unbelievably dangerous. Every single war has misinformation as a key component in the combat. I mean, it dates back to, well, 
as long as war has been around, I'm sure. But just think about World War One and the stories of German soldiers killing Belgian babies, putting Belgian babies on spears and parading them around. It's, it, it seems almost silly now, right, because it was exposed to be completely false not long after it was uh, spread around, not long after the uh, war ended. It was revealed that, yeah, that never actually happened, didn't actually take place. And it's easy, you know, 120 years on to go, yeah, well, it's, uh, well, they're wrong about that. Yeah, a little misinformation. Yeah, they're trying to drum up. But do you think that doesn't have an effect? Do you think that the people of America at a time when innocence was still fairly well preserved, a time when, you know, international norms of combat were still adhered to? that this didn't have a massive psychological impact on the American people. In fact, maybe I'll run across, I have a book that, ta- that talks about, it. it's just talking about you know, people's lives in World War I and the way that people, uh, this was stuck in people's heads, right? This was a horrific war crime that people couldn't really get over. And they ended up you know, sending their sons off to die in the fields of Europe because they believed that the Germans were evil as evidenced by their treatment of the Belgian babies. It didn't happen. It didn't exist. Is it a good thing that it was spread? And this is legitimately the argument you'll hear from people. And it sounds unbelievable, but this is the thing people actually believe. And if you really have conversations with them, you'll get them to admit it. You know, they'll go, well, it was, it was, it was important that we fought Germany in World War I. And it's like, yeah, but the American people didn't want to. Like, yeah, well, they didn't know how, how bad it was. So, you know, in order to illustrate the danger therein, we had, to, we had to fabricate some lies. We had to tell them some things that weren't true in order to really emphasize how important this was. This happens in every war, and it's not a good thing. And it's not a beneficial thing, and it's in order to aggravate people's emotional response in order to override their log- logical systems and make them do things that they wouldn't do otherwise. And so that's what we're seeing here, and they want to silence any information to the contrary. Now, we just showed you a video in that last segment from February 1st of Putin saying, look, there's a diplomatic solution to this. He's saying we have concerns. We have legitimate concerns. We have existential concerns for Russia. Again, if you, you can believe him or not, I think it's a, it's a bit silly to think that Russia would willingly give up Crimea or willingly – allow something to happen that would lead down the road to the taking of Crimea back from the Russian annexation. But if you don't know that's what they want, if you don't know that they wanted a a diplomatic solution, if you don't know that they have goals that they're trying to achieve in this war, then it paints the picture of Putin being a rabid dog who can't be reasoned with, can't be talked to, and has to be put down, in which case you're, again, setting up yourself for total and destructive war with a nuclear superpower that seems willing to use it. And so right now, what is Russia saying? Right now, Russia is saying if this expands, if this becomes World War III, World War III will be nuclear in character. That's a threat, right? That's a threat, and it's a warning And it's the same type of threat and warning that we heard from Russia at the beginning of February that our completely incompetent and traitorous State Department, completely spoiled, didn't adhere to, 
and uh, led us down the road to the conflict that we're now in. Let's, again, take a look now at another person talking about this. This time it's um, a Ukrainian in Donbass talking about what they want, what they've been going through. And again, you know, it's all about perception manipulation. If day in and day out, the American mainstream media had been reporting on the attacks going on in eastern Ukraine and painted a sympathetic picture of the people in eastern Ukraine, then you'd have the same response now that you have, the rabid, let's go to war with Ukraine attitude, but you'd have it in the opposite direction because it's simply a matter of what information you're introduced to and what conclusion that the media wants you to come to. So let's just provide the other angle here. Let's provide the other side of the argument. Just we get a full picture of what the actual motivations are behind the the actors in this war because nobody is served by silencing one side and just acting like there's no reason they're doing what they're doing. Okay, let's go now to clip number eight as a activist in Donbass, eastern Ukraine, talks about the memorial uh, memorial they've erected to the children killed by Ukrainian forces in Donbass. Let's watch. The Donetsk People's Republic also has a monument for the children who've died. So we're now in the Alley of Angels. It's a reminder to the whole of Donbass for the price that we've paid for the coup that happened in Kiev in 2014. Daria Morozova, a human rights commissioner for the Donetsk People's Republic, has repeatedly tried to convey the Donbass people's message to the West. This is our land. We were born here. You can't dictate to us what language to speak, what schools to attend, and what politics to adopt. We don't need two fathers or two mothers. We don't want LGB propaganda now happening in Ukraine. And we don't want the fascism that's being promoted in Ukraine. It's alien to us. So that's a, a human rights activists in Donbass, again, laying out what they feel they've been going through since 2014 and what she calls a coup, which, yeah, that is what it was. I mean, you want to you want to really get in the weeds, just go watch. Uh, I think there's a there's an Oliver Stone movie called Ukraine on Fire, but there's another movie called Winter on Fire about the Maidan protest, which snipers opened on peaceful protesters, and to this day, nobody's really identified who these snipers are. And that brought about the fall of the pro-Russian government in Ukraine, followed by the appointment of a pro-Western government that then enacted a number of restrictive laws, as this activist mentioned, preventing people from talking or or selling books in the Russian language, from teaching people in the Russian language, uh, preventing them from pursuing traditional values that are against LGBT and are more Christian in nature. And they didn't want that. So they wanted to go away. They wanted to separate and uh, Western Ukraine attack them. You need to know this stuff. I'm telling I you. I never compromise the quality of ingredients we put in InfoWars Life products. And that's why for more than two years, we've been sold out of Ultimate Bone Broth. And we could never get the ingredients again. 
until now. And we have reformulated and not just used the same ingredients. We've boosted it and made them even stronger. So out of all the bone broths out there, I'm telling you, this is next level. Listen to what it's got in it. Cutting edge chicken bone broth protein isolate powder for better flavor and dissolvability. It's got turmeric root, chaga mushroom, bee pollen, goji berry, alfalfa herb powder, and a bunch of other amazing known berries that turbocharge your body with antioxidants. And then it's got a bunch of other incredible things like magnesium, potassium, and sodium added. I mean, this sucker has got everything for your electrolytes. It's got real organic cocoa butter powder with natural chocolate flavor and a touch of sea salt, and it just goes on and on. It is now back in stock. Ultimate Bone Broth Plus, available at 20% off and free shipping out of the gates at InfoWarsStore.com. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back, folks. There's so much stuff to, to, to talk about with uh, Ukraine and Russia. We'll try to get to all of it this hour. Open up, your phone, open up for your phone calls in the second hour. Welcoming Savannah Hernandez in the third hour. You know, again, it's it, – we don't have a dog in this fight, right? We don't have a, I don't have a dog in the fight between Ukraine and Russia. I'm not Ukrainian. I'm not Russian. I don't, uh, you know, I don't make $50,000 a month working for Burisma. You know, I, I didn't – I don't have, uh, you know, Ukrainian oligarchs with a blackmail folder on me. I'm not like the politicians in Washington, D.C. that are operating – you know, for their own reasons and for their own regard. What I don't want is to be pulled into a nuclear conflict because of the incompetence and stupidity of our leadership, which seems to be exactly what's happening now. And, uh, you know, it's kind of weird. I talk about the most sensitive subjects in the world on this show, from race to gender to all this sort of stuff. And I never really feel nervous about it right i don't when i get done with the show i don't feel like oh geez did did i say the right things there because i'm i just speak from the heart and i say what is obviously true well what is there to be afraid of i feel a little different about this because this is war right this is um massive armed conflict and there's people being bombed and dying as we speak and i would hate to portray things incorrectly for them. So I, I, I just want to go from the position of how do we get to peace? How do we prevent this from spiraling out of control? How do we prevent this from going farther than it has? How do we not fall into a nuclear Armageddon situation? And I think moving from that position, I'm, I'm pretty safe in what I'm doing, and I want to understand things from every angle. And if you want to hear what the you know, if you want to hear that um, Zelensky is actually Captain America and, you know, this is a Marvel conflict with uh, Vladimir Putin as the Thanos Hitler, you can go to mainstream media and hear all about that. We're going to try to provide an alternative narrative that says this is not a black and white issue. This is not straightforward good versus evil. This is a complicated and nuanced 
geopolitical international catastrophe that cannot be boiled down to such a simple position and that censorship and control of the media is not the solution to this. So where are we now? Reuters has a pretty good summation of it. Ukraine defense lines are holding, Zelensky says. Russia's invasion of Ukraine entered its second week on Thursday with its main assault force halted north of the capital of Kiev and several cities enduring heavy Russian bombing. The humanitarian crisis has also uh, worsened with more than one million refugees having fled Ukraine, the United Nations said. Hundreds of Russian soldiers and Ukrainian civilians have been killed since President Vladimir Putin sent his troops over the border last Thursday. Russia itself has been plunged into isolation, never before experienced by an economy of such size. Despite the initial battle plan that Russian countries said was aimed at swiftly topping the Kiev government, Russia has captured only one Ukrainian city so far, the southern uh, Dnipro River port of Kherson, which its tanks entered on Wednesday. Russia shifted tactics, escalating its bombardment of major city uh, cities. Swaths of central Kharkiv, a city of 1.5 million people, have been blasted into rubble. And it's understandable why they would think this would be a swift victory, considering the fact that Ukraine uh, was sort of treating it as a joke before the invasion actually happened. I don't know if you remember this, but you know about a a couple days before the invasion actually took place, Zelensky came out and said, please stop, in, please stop creating panic about Russia. Please stop you know, talking about Russians on our borders. It's creating panic and it's affecting our economy, and we can't have that. So instead of actually mounting a resistance with the Ukrainian army, uh, they instead sort of didn't do anything. And then once Russia invaded, told their civilians to grab Molotov cocktails and started handing out AK-47s to everyone on the streets, and told them to get in the fight, which, of course, in and of itself is a violation of international laws governing war. But now they're getting explicit with it. uh, InfoWars has the story. Ukraine's Special Operation Command announces they're going to start committing war crimes. Ukraine's Special Operation Command announced Thursday on Facebook that Russian soldiers who try to surrender henceforth will be, quote, slaughtered like pigs while they're begging for mercy. And says this, the SSO Brotherhood of Ukraine sends its greetings to the Russian artillery. We congratulate you. After you bombarded our peaceful cities, our relatives, children's loved ones, you worms become our number one target. We explain to you, Vanki, you seem to be far away and shoot at targets you can't see. You don't see little children, old people, homes, kindergartners, schools and hospitals. Are these just goals for you? Pressed, flu, got hit effed right guys now look worms you don't see your goals and you seem to be relieved but believe me it will never be easier for you scum we already have the information about you and if not for someone else then it's a matter of minutes quote from now on there will be no more captured russian artillery no mercy no please don't kill i surrender we'll be getting away every calculation no matter commander driver guide charger will be slaughtered like pigs Tie your pants up. We've already come for you. Call your mom one last time. Say you're going to die soon, jackal. We are not death. We are worse. So that's from the official um, statement of, uh, you know, a Ukrainian government outlet on Twitter, which is interesting because if we go here to the United Nations Office on Genocide Prevention and Responsibility Project, or I'm sorry, Responsibility to Protect, war crimes document, And again, if you want to know why there's laws of war, well, it's to prevent a minor conflict from spiraling out of control and becoming something like genocide. And there are certain agreements that countries have signed on to and the UN tries to enforce, such as the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court. You look at Article 8, war crimes, you can go down to 
section B.6, uh, where it says, Killing or wounding a combatant who, having laid down his arms or having no longer means of defense, has surrendered at discretion. Right, so these are the things that violate international law and make the war effort, no matter how legitimate at the beginning or no matter how justified the cause at first, it's not justified and it's not legitimate anymore once you commit these crimes. So that's the Ukrainian government promising to commit war crimes. But if you continue down the list and you go down to Part E, Section 10 or Section E, Part 10, it's actually a war crime to declare that no quarter will be given. So even in the announcement of their intention to commit these war crimes is in and of itself a war crime. I know, there's a radical position here. I'd like to state quite firmly and resolutely, I'm against war crimes. Now, I don't really care who's carrying them out. If it's America, I'm against that. If it's Russia, I'm against that. And if it's Ukraine, we should all be against that. Because what's happening right now is that the Ukrainian government seems to be doing everything it can to increase the likelihood that death and destruction comes to its own civilians. When you're telling untrained civilians, not in uniform, not, un, you know, not working under the apparatus of a legitimate national military to go out and firebomb tanks or to assassinate Russian soldiers, what do you think the response is going to be? Think Russia's just going to take it? Do you think they're just going to sit there and allow their tanks to be firebombed and allow their men to be shot by partisan actors? Of course not. Because once you get involved in the fight, you're not a civilian anymore. What, you know, and it's it is a, still a violation of these uh, laws to not be in uniform, but that's not seeming to stop them. And so the Ukrainian government is literally telling its people to go out and act as civilian partisan attackers and to really increase the likelihood that Russians start attacking civilians, start defending themselves against civilian positions. Same type of thing that you hear, uh, you know, Palestinians being accused of all the time, putting a missile launching base in a kindergarten, right? And then when you bomb that kindergarten, you go, look, they bombed a kindergarten. Well, there's a missile embankment there. What are they going to do? So the Ukrainian government seems to be doing everything it can to increase the danger towards its own civilians in order to bring about the sympathy needed for international involvement. It's sick. I've been on air more than 25 years. And long before I started selling high-quality vitamin D3 eight years ago, I've been promoting people taking vitamin D3 because it is essential. And if you're not getting sunshine every single day, whether you're black or white or Hispanic, it doesn't matter. Your body will be susceptible and wide open to so many of the threats that are out there. It's just like you need oxygen, you die in four minutes without oxygen. You die in five or six days without water, you die in a month without food. Well, that's because these key minerals and elements and vitamins are in the food that you need. And one of the most important for your immune system and your overall health is vitamin D3. We have the highest quality in winter sun with vitamin K that boosts all your body's defenses available right now for 50% off at InfoWarStore.com. Everybody, old, young, black, white, you need vitamin D3. This is the best quality out there and it funds the InfoWar 50% off.
It's time to show them what a real alpha male looks like with one of our most powerful products ever made, Alpha Power. As you age, your body can lose testosterone over time. With the incredible ingredients in this formula, we can help you beat the test of time and assist in restoring that lost energy and mood that comes with time and age. Alpha Power's incredible ingredients can help you boost your sports performance or enhance your day-to-day -day life with ease while encouraging hormonal balance. Perfect by itself or with super male vitality in the true alpha male pack. Alpha Power can help boost performance, help maintain normal testosterone levels, support healthy cholesterol, and more. Let Alpha Power help bring you to the peak of your optimal health. Don't fall short on energy in the fight against tyranny. Show the world what a true alpha male looks like today with Alpha Power. Head to InfoWarsStore.com today. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. You know, I was talking a little bit earlier in the last segment about this position that I'm trying to take when talking about what's happening in Ukraine. I feel pretty confident in this since it's more or less the same position that I've held for every international conflict since I was old enough to understand such things. But more or less, my, my opinions on war were formed as an eighth grader watching live shots on CNN of Iraqi cities being bombed uh, by the U.S. And that night vision, the flaring up of green on a black screen. I was thought about the innocent people burning to death live as I was watching. Pretty horrific. Pretty devastating. Of course, at the time, you'd get booed off the stage at the Oscars for not supporting the war in Iraq. You'd be canceled for not understanding what an important and positive thing the Iraq war was. And it feels good a couple decades later, to look back and say, yeah, I was right the whole time. Yeah, we were right the whole time. Yeah, it was completely senseless and maddening and insane and hugely negative to American security, American respect around the world. It was just bad in every possible respect. So I'm feeling pretty confident that right now, not being you know, mindlessly war-hungry in the face of the attack on Ukraine, probably a pretty good position to hold. That's why I'm so proud of working here at InfoWars because this has been the position of InfoWars the entire time. And whether it was being against vaccine mandates and being worried that a bioweapon was going to be released or being worried about the climate change narrative to being turned into a method of control by the elites and how to limit and systematically dissolve the sovereignty of individuals whether it was the iraq war whether it was the corrupt elites working together to disempower and bankrupt the american people InfoWars has pretty much been right about everything the entire time but you know if you remember how insane things got under the iraq war think about how insane they'll be now because at least during the iraq war you still had a sizable contingent of anti-war leftists those don't really exist anymore 
fact, there are some of the ones most loudly aggravating in favor of this conflict. You certainly don't have the media presence to back it up. And in this case, we actually have the semblance of legitimacy in the sense that we are you know, on the side of the country being invaded this time, not the ones doing the invading. So think of all of the methods of control that were rolled out during the Iraq war and all of the disinformation and warmongering that took place then. Just imagine it multiplied many times because that's what we're up against now. So who knows? Maybe some, you know, the way that they, they use the emergency powers of COVID to justify their censorship, you can guarantee that this war will be used to justify and extend and expand and accelerate their censorship. So <laughs> InfoWars once again heading into even more dangerous waters than before. And we hope that you support us by going to InfoWarsStore.com, buying yourself a supplement, preparing yourself for what may be to come. Do you have your storable food? Do you have your privacy pouches to shield your electronics from the potential of EMP weapons launched by Russia? Because they exist, and we'll talk about it tomorrow with David Pine. Are you prepared, and can you help us prepare? Go to InfoWarsStore.com right now. Take advantage of the TurboForce Flash Super Sale, 40% off. TurboForce, up to 50% off many of our top-selling products. And we're about to enter a time period where InfoWars is more important than ever before, as it looks like any narrative outside of the prescribed establishment narrative will be under the thumb of censorship. Please help us survive this conflict, both literally and figuratively. Go to InfoWarsStore.com right now to support us. So let's get into some other stuff about Russia. Of course, in the last segment, I talked about the fact that the Russian or the uh, Ukrainian government is encouraging, really threatening and committing war crimes, but also encouraging their civilians to get involved. Uh, Andriy Osadchuk or Osadchuk Andriy is a member of parliament in Ukraine who says since today it will be legal for any Ukrainian to kill Russian soldier on the territory of Ukraine during martial law period. So there again, encouraging civilians not in military uniform to go out and kill Russian soldiers, which I'll tell you what, somebody invades Texas, you know, I'll be, I don't have to be in uniform to uh, put a gun to their head. But at the same time, I wouldn't want my the government of Texas encouraging it. I'd want, you know, they, we have a military for a reason. You can say, hey, join the military and help fight back the Russians. But when you're encouraging civilians to do it, you're setting them up to be slaughtered. And of course, once the slaughter happens, they'll say, look, Russians are killing civilians. Now we need international help. It, it really is sick. M4's com has this story. Why did the U.S. Embassy official website remove all evidence of Ukrainian bioweapons lab? The laboratory documents were public knowledge up until February 25th, 2022. These documents include important construction, finance, financing, and permit deals for bioweapons laboratories in Ukraine. But now the U.S. government is scrubbing these documents from the Internet and becoming less transparent with this critical information. The USNBC website recently removed all evidence of biolabs in Ukraine. These biolabs are funded and jointly operated by the U.S. Department of Defense. The laboratory documents were public knowledge, as I said, up until February 25th. 
comes at a time when the world population is waking up to the reality of gain of function bioweapons research, lab leaks, and predatory vaccine and diagnostics development. These biolabs generate uh, these biolabs generate ex. Uh, Viruses that exploit human immune systems and are the foundation for which medical fraud, malpractice, vaccine-induced death, and genocide originates. And, of course, this was a big uh, speculation as to why the Russians were focusing on the targets they were focusing on as they seemed to line up with the known bioweapons labs in Ukraine. And as this article points out, or asks, could the existence of these bioweapon labs have something to do with Russia's special military mission? For years, Russia has accused the U.S. of developing bioweapons near its borders. Are the Russians currently gathering evidence from these labs? What is the current status of these facilities? What if Russia was not conducting an imperialistic invasion and occupation of Ukraine, a reality that's been propagated by Western media outlets? What if Russia was instead targeting the international crime syndicates and going after uh, criminal elements in Ukrainian government that have harmed the Ukrainian people and others around the world? It's a great question. In fact, this question is all the more pertinent when you think about the relations between the deep state scumbags that run our country and the billionaire NGO operators who run roughshod over international and national law, as well as the, of course, Democratic Party. So this story from 2017 relates from Politico, Ukrainian efforts to sabotage Trump backfire. Ukrainian government officials tried to help Hillary Clinton and undermine Trump by publicly questioning his fitness for office. They also disseminated documents implicating a top Trump aide in corruption and suggested they were investigating the matter only to back away after the election. And they helped Clinton's allies research damaging information on Trump and his advisors, a Politico investigation found. A Ukrainian-American operative who was consulting for the DNC met with top officials in the Ukrainian embassy in Washington. Washington in an effort to expose ties between Trump, top campaign aide Paul Manafort, and Russia, according to people with direct knowledge of the situation. And of course, you know that the first impeachment of Trump was over his withholding of funds from Ukraine in order to get them to continue the investigation that was stopped by Joe Biden when he withheld funds to Ukraine. So do you see what happens here? What happens here is that Our establishment, our elites, or people who rule over us, people like George Soros, they go into Ukraine, they fund media campaigns, they fund entire media outlets, they have CIA agents and operational managers in Ukraine fomenting rebellion, ousting a Russian-friendly president, installing their own, and then they say we need to help this new democratic ukraine we need to give them billions of dollars they take your money out of your pocket and out of your bank account send it to ukraine and they say you'll get this as long as my son gets a fifty thousand dollar a month job at your gas company as long as my grandchild becomes a ukrainian count of some sort so they take your money they give it to ukraine ukrainian people keep some of that give some of it back to the people who organized the transfer and they go on their merry, corrupt way. This is what happens when you have people that they aren't being elected to office because they love the American people and wants what, want what's best for America. They see American people as suckers and dupes and rubes to be taken advantage of, to be stolen from, to be used as a cudgel to get their way internationally and enrich themselves personally. And they want us to go to war to defend that. 
the globalist social engineers always intended to push their COVID biomedical tyranny lockdowns until the populations rebelled. They would then use that as the pretext for permanent martial law and banning and arresting anybody that speaks out against their lives. But because of so many scientists and engineers and researchers and others coming public and, and whistleblowers, now their whole project is falling apart because the people are aware that it is a world government corporate takeover. And so it's pulling back the curtain now more than ever. The problem is some globalist controlled areas are not going to give up on their takeover. Like Canada, where they've now declared a civil emergency and martial law in Ontario. And other areas of the world are following suit, like Australia. So pray for these folks big time. This is a very serious situation. And stay tuned into Infowars.com because truth is absolutely paramount. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. The first casualty of war is the truth. And if the American people knew the truth about U.S. interference in Ukraine, they might not be so eager to start World War III. During World War II, Western Ukraine sided with the Nazis. After the war, the CIA helped Ukrainian Nazis evade the Nuremberg trials and began operating with them within the Ukraine. After decades of CIA infiltration, the Ukrainian People's Movement emerged in 1989 and gave birth to extremist groups Svoboda, Trident, and Right Sector, neo-Nazi groups pushing for the ethnic cleansing of Ukraine, extremist groups cultivated by the CIA, supported by the U.S. State Department, and used by the IMF to bring Ukraine to heal. When Yanukovych beat NATO-backed Yushchenko in the 2010 elections, His government was being pressured into signing an EU association agreement by the International Monetary Fund in their typical conquer-by-debt offer that would financially ruin the Ukraine and place them at the mercy of the World Bank. Yanukovych declined their offer. And in today's corrupt world, you're not allowed to say no to the IMF. Funded by Western NGOs associated with George Soros and the CIA, a highly organized color revolution was immediately deployed against Yanukovych. Organizations such as the National Endowment for Democracy trained activist journalists to utilize Facebook, along with three brand new television networks created within weeks to recruit people for the protests. This Western-run media campaign was a huge success. The turnout was massive. The CIA has been orchestrating revolutions their entire career, and the first step to their simple formula is to convince people to take to the streets in peaceful protest. They then use agitators to goad the police into violence, and state-run media to ignite the crowd with emotionally charged reports of sacred victims. On November 30th, 2013, the Ukrainian chief of staff, associated closely with the U.S. State Department, ordered the streets to be cleared of protesters for the erection of the annual Christmas tree. When the police arrived, 
They were met by a highly aggressive and well-organized faction of Ukraine's right sector, who provoked the police into a violent reaction against peaceful protesters, which is all the Western intelligence media reported on. Predictably, this resulted in more unrest and violence, which was further fueled by U.S. Senator John McCain's support of the protests. Leaked phone calls reveal that the U.S. State Department was orchestrating this coup d'etat from within the U.S. Embassy with support from Vice President Joe Biden. On February 20th, unidentified snipers firing from government buildings occupied by the protesters began firing into the crowd, killing people on all sides. Yinyakovic's home and offices were taken by armed mobs and a new government was put into place with a neo-Nazi element that went on to accept the IMF's spurious loan offer and began murdering the Russian-speaking population of Ukraine in Donbass. As a result of this Western-created quagmire, 96% of the people in Crimea voted in favor of joining Russia. And while the nation celebrated, Western media reported that they were invaded by Russia. Their proof? a Russian military presence which has existed there since 1804. Supporting a criminal war against Russia does not make you a patriot. It makes you a useful idiot of the globalist banking cartel, the very same entities waging war on all of humanity with vaccine passports and experimental jabs. A righteous patriot would call out his government for war crimes, and through fraud and deceit, The United States government has been the world's biggest purveyor of war crimes for decades. This might be the best report Greg Reese has ever done. You've got to to share this. Band.video, the first casualty of war is the truth. Incredible. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Welcome back, folks. We have more to discuss outside of uh, Russia and Ukraine, including what's going on here in America. that this hour before welcoming savannah hernandez in the third hour remember you support us by going to infowarsstore.com and it's looking like we're going to be needing your support more than ever as the propaganda campaign ramps up as the elites that rule our country and the journalists from their penthouse high-rise apartments goad us into nuclear conflict with uh, russia and i want to tell you a little bit about the truth of what's happening in ukraine there's a couple excellent articles making the rounds these days this one from revolver how american elites stopped worrying and learned to love the bomb they talk about the you know and this is the thing we're talking about america in this regard we're not talking about the american people we're talking about the globalist american empire and i it's, it's absolutely the correct nomenclature for this The gay, G-A-E, globalist American empire. They say the shrillest gay voices, globalist American empire (laughs) voices, want to inflict an apocalyptic calamity on the whole world. Mindlessly, thoughtlessly, inexcusably, they are shoving the West to the brink of full-blown nuclear war in Ukraine. Back in January, Revolver warned that the implacable no-negotiations attitude of the U.S. and its allies was creating conditions for war in Ukraine. Such war could be an existential danger to the planet. And they said this, 
They say, and yet, while America looks away, the ruling class inches us dangerously closer to war. Russia is reportedly massing tens of thousands of troops along Ukraine borders and even deploying some in Belarus. America is shipping hundreds of millions of dollars in weapons to Kiev's government in response. There's talk of a Russian invasion, which Washington might counter by backing a violent insurgency, which would invite retaliation and so forth until America is on the edge of nuclear war over an impoverished country 4,000 miles away. Of course, I point this out because it reflects the exact sentiments that were expressed on this program and all over InfoWars, especially when we had David Pine on the day before that the, one of the final summits between American and Russian diplomats where he said this may be the last chance they have to come to some sort of agreement before the conflict starts. But again, the people that run our country, we just go over the last couple of years of genocide they've been carrying out. They don't care about the American people. They could care less about the American people. They don't give a damn. They have bankrupted us, locked us in our homes, forcibly transferred $4 trillion from the middle class to the upper class, again, just in the last few years, and they are engaged in a campaign of depopulation. You don't think a war is directly in line with their goals? It aligns with everything that they want to do, and they quite literally have nuclear bunkers and offshore yachts and you know underground bases fully stocked with food and even armed guards, they're, willing, they're perfectly prepared to live out a nuclear Armageddon. It's not going to affect them. It's going to affect us. They're perfectly willing to send people to war. They're not the ones going. Perfectly willing to write articles advocating for this. They're not going to be the ones drafted, conscripted into this, or suffering the consequences from it. So screw them. Here's a fantastic article by Daily Mail. Again, it's the type of article that I start highlighting and realize I'm just going to highlight this whole damn thing. So I'll just read it to you. It's a Daily Mail article by Bill Roggio. Roggio. Putin is not crazy and the Russian invasion is not failing, writes military analyst Bill Roggio. He says sympathy for the outnumbered and outgunned defenders of Kiev has led to the exaggeration of Russian setbacks, misunderstandings of Russian strategy, and even baseless claims from amateur psychoanalysts that Putin has lost his mind. A more sober analysis shows that Russia may have sought a knockout blow, but has always had well-played lands, well-laid plans for follow-on assaults if the initial moves proves insufficient. The world has underestimated Putin before, and those mistakes have led in part to this tragedy in Ukraine. We must be clear-eyed now that the war is underway. Yet even the professionals at the Pentagon are letting sympathy cloud their judgment. Well, that and the hormone blockers. Just two days into Russia's invasion of Ukraine, U.S. Department of Defense briefers were quick to claim that failing to take Kiev in the opening days of the war amounted to a serious setback. DOD briefers implied that Russia's offensive was well behind schedule and it even failed because the capital had not fallen. But U.S. leaders should have learned uh, learned to restrain their hopes after the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan. Once again, U.S. and Western officials are falling into the trap of failing to understand the enemy and his objectives. It's Quite literally, without exaggeration, the first rule of war. The first rule of war, according to the mastermind, Sun Tzu, the art of war, the classic from 2,000 years ago that's still read to this day for its permanent and you know, uh, everlasting rules governing uh, human conflict. He says the number one rule is understanding yourself and the enemy. If you understand the enemy and you understand yourself, victory is assured. Now, we are in a world being led by people and being reported on by the media that not only don't understand our enemy, they have open contempt for the attempt to understand our enemy, right? If you want to actually hear from Russia, if you want to actually know what our enemies are thinking in order to best 
counter their aggression, you're a Russian agent, apparently. That's how stupid these people are, and that's how dangerous their idiocy has become. So he says, allegedly, Putin believed the Ukrainian government would collapse once the Russian troops moved across the frontier and pushed into Kiev and that the operation has failed because Ukrainian government remains in place. Putin certainly hoped for swift victory, but he clearly was not relying on his opening salvo as the only plan for success. Rather, the Russian military was prepared to take the country by force if a swift decapitation strike fell short. This kind of plan should be familiar to Americans who remember the 2003 invasion of Iraq. During the first hours of the war, the U.S. Air Force had launched its shock and awe campaign in an attempt to kill Saddam Hussein and other key leaders and bring down the government. Saddam survived, but the U.S. military was fully prepared to follow up with a ground assault. Look at how the Russian military offensive demonstrates that there was a plan for full-scale invasion, which Russia is now executing. And you remember for weeks we reported and everybody reported on the buildup of Russian arms, the idea that after three days of – moderate success they're just going to give up and and roll over they're going to surrender that they failed is just it's just stupid it's just nonsensical it's it's illogical and moronic massive column of russian troops estimated uh, 40 miles long is just 20 miles north of kiev and is likely assembling to surround the capital if russian forces can take kiev and push southward to link up with forces on the crimean front thus splitting ukraine in two it would be a major blow to the Zelensky government what matters more than a handful of setbacks is the Russian forces have pushed 70 miles into contested terrain in less than a week and are on the outskirts of the capital. This is not a sign of a disorganized, poorly assembled, and failed offensive. The southward push from Belarus to Kiev is supported by another Russian column launched from the east in the vicinity of Kursk. If this column can link up with the Russian troops near Kiev, it will envelop Ukrainian forces in most of Cherniev and Sumy provinces, depriving Ukrainian military of much-needed soldiers and war materials needed elsewhere and cutting off the government from the two northern provinces. At the same time, they're launching an offensive on four separate fronts with forces in the east tying down Ukrainian troops, uh, troops that would be needed elsewhere in the south. Russian forces, supported by amphibious assaults from the Sea of Azov, have poured into Ukraine from Crimea. On this front, Russian forces have branched out along two main axes, one northwest along the Pivdeniv-Bu River, and another northeast along the coast and inland towards the Donbass region, which Russia declared independent shortly before invasion. If Russian columns from either southern front can link up with forces further north, they would cut off many Ukrainian troops from reinforcement, one of two columns that has advanced roughly 160 miles. Russian generals have often chosen to bypass towns and cities that are putting up stiff resistance and isolating them to deal with later. There are reports that Russian forces have escalated attacks on civilians, particularly in Kharkiv. At the moment, the artillery and rocket attacks there have been limited, perhaps to send a message to the citizens as a warning of what may come. Putin appears to want to take Ukraine intact, but will not hesitate to increase the level of brutality if needed. The systematic nature of the Russian assault is at odds with speculation that Putin has lost control of his senses. Nobody knows for sure, but Putin's actions appear to be that of a cold and calculating adversary. And again, You can flip from CNN to MSNBC to Fox News, and every one of them is telling you uh, Putin is literally insane. They're giving you reasons why they think he's insane. Well, there's the isolation due to COVID driving him insane. It's nonsense. Everything that's happened so far has been fairly well calculated. You cannot like what he's doing, but don't act like it's just a mad dog foaming at the mouth. Strategically, Putin's advance on Ukraine began well over a decade ago when he invaded and balkanized Georgia by recognizing the Kremlin puppet regimes in the regions of uh, Akazia and South Ostesia. 
Russian brings in military enforcements to Ukraine. Now, again, folks, it's like going into a boxing ring and your boxing trainer is like, no, this guy's stupid. Don't worry about it. You just get your your face knocked in. That's what's going to happen. I stay on air selling high-quality products that you need, that you want, and that you're going to be happy with. That's why you come back and buy products from me again. It's a symbiotic relationship. I promote liberty. I promote freedom. I fight the globalist. And I'm able to do that because you buy products at InfoWarsStore.com. And listen, all the products are great. But when it comes to high-quality storable food in an inflationary system with major supply chain breakdowns, this is an absolute 360 win, a no-brainer. And they've got high-quality storable food ready to ship to you right now. The great folks at My Patriot Supply exclusively at PrepareWithAlex.com discounted. So again, beat inflation, be prepared, fund the info war. The only way you lose is not taking action at InfoWarsStore.com or PrepareWithAlex.com right now. This is high-quality storable food. This is how you beat inflation. Get yours today. It's ready to ship. But I wouldn't wait because prices are about to go up because inflation is exploding. Frank in North Carolina, thanks for holding so long. Go ahead. Yeah, Alec, I just have to say something, man. It seems like every time I turn on your broadcast, you're bragging. It just gets old, man. I'm going to shut you down right now, okay? We're taking calls about your nomination. Do you understand they're having congressional hearings trying to shut us down? Do you understand I'm ringing the alarm? If that was happening to anybody else, I'd be freaked out. I mean, what's it going to take? Us being shut down? Is that what you want, Frank? You know what, Alex? Put him on pause again. Hey, Frank, do you understand it's not bragging to say we are the tip of the spear, we're under attack, we need your help? As much begging as I do, we can barely pay the bills and grow in the face of this. I'm not going to just stop growth and let them start pushing us backwards. You understand? I need your help, Frank. I need your help, Frank. Go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and help fund the InfoWars. Do you understand? I need your help, Frank. Free press needs your help, Frank. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, welcome back, folks. It's The American Journal. We're going to move on from uh, Russia and Ukraine right now. We'll be joined by Savannah Hernandez in the third hour. We have a lot to talk about going on here today, including some suspicious activity as, once again, we move towards the New World Order, World Economic Forum, Ultimate Revolution, Prison Planet, Slave State of Corporate Globalist Control. And once you understand what what their mission is, then you can understand what stands in the way, and then you understand how the actions that they're taking pay into that. In case you're new here, in case you're wondering, what's all this about? New World Order? What? You mean the wrestling group from the 90s? Yeah, no. It's actually not that complicated. The people in charge of the biggest corporations and the most powerful banks in the history of the world that own... Just about everything have a controlling stake in all of the biggest corporations, all of the biggest combines, and they work, they're working together in lockstep, hand in hand, hand in glove, to eliminate freedom, human freedoms. And that's really what it's about. 
it's all about control and it's all about power. Power is control, right? I mean, if you tell somebody to do something and they do it, you have power over them. Like if they don't have a choice. If I tell you, hey, go do this thing, and you're like, up yours, bro. I'm like, no, okay. I don't have any power, right? But if I can do it, you say up yours, and I say you're fired, <laughs> then I have power over you. So it's whatever method they need to use to gain power. And they're not satisfied with the immense amounts of power that they have, with the unbelievable power that they wield over huge swaths of humanity. It hasn't satisfied them. It's wet their beak. It's made them think that with a little bit more control, they could have everything. And they could have all of humanity in their grasp and operating in their control. And they're essentially trying to make what is a literal Brave New World situation. If you've never read Brave New World, it is the most important book written in the last several centuries. Because once again, Aldous Huxley, whose family was deeply involved in the eugenics movement and in this movement when it first came about, in the early 1900s, wasn't making things up. He was novelizing and putting into a fictional dystopian form what was actually being planned. And look, all you have to do is read Brave New World and just understand that it was written from the perspective of someone living in the 1920s and just reimagine it from the perspective of today. And you see all the same technologies, all of the same methods of control are being used. And so when you know that they're goal is control and you know the way they're going to try to bring this control about is by having a supranational corporate government that is unelected and not responsible to the will of the people but rather to the will of the so-called stakeholders who represent the wealthiest and most powerful people in the world then you understand why they're doing what they're doing and how all of this stuff directly contributes to their control by destroying your protection against it God is a protection of control. You want to know why the, the Romans killed Christians? It's because when they told Christians, we're going to kill you, the Christians said, we don't care. We're loyal to God. <laughs> That's horrifying and terrifying. We have, some, we have people in our country that we can't control. We can't tell them to do something. Even if we threaten them with death, they won't do what we say. What are we supposed to do here? They feed them to the lions and the Christians would willingly go. That's horrifying if you actually want control. Not even death can prevent them. I mean, that's, that's devastating to a tyrant. So God uh, it keeps you away from control. Family keeps you out of control. It'd be a lot easy, easier to control you if all of your relations were shallow. You know, if, you, if, if you're just like friends with a bunch of people and then, you know, if you hold the wrong opinion, all of those people will just abandon you. You're more likely to stick with the crowd, aren't you? But if you have a family... I have a wife and a child. I have a, you know, parents and sisters that they're going to be on my side pretty much no matter what. So who, what do I care if George Soros doesn't like what I say or CNN is going to use me in their clips to try to demonize me? Couldn't care less. I don't hang out with CNN. <laughs> I don't care about them. So all of these things keep you powerful. All of these things keep you uncontrollable, and all of these things are what's being targeted. And so as we you know, head towards war in Ukraine here at home, we're seeing the fruits of this collectivist mentality. There's two books, Brave New World and Gulag Archipelago. That's the other one you need to read. Again, that's not fantasy. That's reality. That's what actually happened. And if you think that communism doesn't exist anymore and you think it's just an inherently flawed system that will collapse on its own accord – 
you, you haven't looked at China recently and you haven't thought about the fact that the Bolshevik Revolution led to a Soviet Union of extreme and relentless and brutal oppression that lasted for around 80 years. People were born, grew very old, and died under the Soviet system. This wasn't a short flash in the pan sort of thing. Since it collapsed in the 1990s, I think everybody just sort of said, eh, it's, uh, communism will never work again. See, they thought that people could actually read history and understand that it wasn't just like an alternative to capitalism. It wasn't just like, well, there's one way to do it, and then, then there's the communism. That's another way to do it. No, no. It is the embodiment and the systemization and the establishment of just brutality itself and inhumanity itself. It, uh, just unbelievably brutal and horrific and devastating. And of course, it was extremely successful at keeping down repression. Because as Solzhenitsyn says in Gulag Archipelago, we didn't love freedom enough. They didn't value it enough. So we're, we're rapidly heading down this road where it's like, well, you know, it's, yeah, they're wrong, but whatever, you know, roll your eyes and like, I'll just keep it to myself because I know they'll start yelling at me if I say anything. And uh, that is a very slippery slope into everybody spying on one another. I mean, I mean, now it's, still somewhat subtle they still have to at least for the next maybe five years pay lip service to the first amendment pay lip service to the restrictions of the constitution in terms of spying on the american people i mean you know edward snowden revealed it what 12 years ago at this point that all of american communications information is being collected and stored and gone through by the nsa but, you know, they aren't open about it yet. They will be very soon, be extremely soon. It won't be very long at all before you have, you know, a private conversation with somebody and you go to buy something on your phone and it's, oh, I'm sorry, your credit card's been rejected because of the objectionable thoughts that you expressed that we picked up on your secret microphone. I mean, it's, it's not far. We're practically there. It's just not openly being used yet. But how easy do you think it'll be once cash is gone? The end of ATMs in Australia. Thousands of cash machines removed as banks go digital. This happened February 28th, 2022. ATMs and bank branches across Australia are continuing to close at a rapid rate, switched by customers to digital banking, seeing big four banks switch their focus. ANZ head of distribution, Kath Bray, said changes were a clear sign of the times. Again, a one-off or another contributing factor in their enslavement of the world. I've been on air more than 25 years. And long before I started selling high-quality vitamin D3 eight years ago, I've been promoting people taking vitamin D3 because it is essential. And if you're not getting sunshine every single day, whether you're black or white or Hispanic, it doesn't matter. Your body will be susceptible and wide open to so many of the threats that are out there. It's just like you need oxygen. You die in four minutes without oxygen. You die in five or six days without water. You die in a month without food. Well, that's because these key minerals and elements and vitamins are in the food that you need. 
and one of the most important for your immune system and your overall health is vitamin D3. We have the highest quality in winter sun with vitamin K that boosts all your body's defenses available right now for 50% off at InfoWarStore.com. Everybody, old, young, black, white, you need vitamin D3. This is the best quality out there, and it funds the InfoWar 50% off. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch live right now at band.video. Back, ladies and gentlemen, this is The American Journal. So, yeah, if you know, if you don't know, you aren't aware of what the powers that be are up to, you don't know what their ultimate goal is, it's easy to see a lot of this stuff as just one-off examples of Uh, Just a changing of the times, just the inevitable progress of technology and humanity. And yet, when you actually do know what these people are up to, what they want, what their goal is, suddenly all of this stuff becomes evidence of your correctness and evidence of their very well-organized, machine-like march towards a globalist prison planet, total enslavement. The end of ATMs in Australia. Again, it's just like, well, it's just, you know, things are moving digital. It's all moving digital. It's fine. It's like, do you not see what's happening in Canada? Do you not see the way that Russia is being cut off from banks? Do you not see the way that cash money has been confiscated by the American government? People like Nick Fuentes having half a million dollars taken out of his bank account. Why? Because he participated in a peaceful protest. Because he was in the city of Washington, D.C., on January 6th, not even on the Capitol grounds, yet they took his money anyway. See, God makes you strong. Families make you strong. Cash makes you strong, right? You can have cash, and no one knows where it came from. Nobody knows where it's going. Privacy and anonymity, that's what cash brings, so they got to get rid of that. So now they hold all of your money as, you know, a... Pixels on a computer screen as digits in a hard drive that they can manipulate, withhold at will. Makes it much easier to fabricate money from nothing, which is another one of their uh, very successful tactics that they've carried out. But in Australia, of course, this is the playground of the New World Order. This is the place where they try out many of their tactics before rolling it out to the rest of the world. They say analysis revealed close to 460 bank branches have shut down across the nation in recent years. And dating back to 2020, approximately 3,800 previously active ATMs have been removed. Uh, New South Wales alone now has 140 fewer in-bank store, uh, in-store banks, and almost 300 suburbs don't have a singular ATM to withdraw cash. It's a similar story in Victoria, where 120 branches have permanently closed their doors to customers. Closures have had a devastating impact on local communities, Finance Sector Union National Secretary Julia Angrisano said. Quote, jobs are lost, businesses is impact, and other local services disappear. And they say as Australia accelerates towards a cashless society, fees from either the customer or vendor for online banking have become commonplace. So they'll, they'll make money from it too while they move your every you know, sense of ownership into their digital combine. And of course, we know, we know what they're doing and we know what they're 
attempting because they talk about it with each other and they scheme together and they make white papers framing what they're doing as if it's beneficial. And we saw this with the lockstep document, and I've explained many times I have this axis, and the axis is essentially how centralized are things and how authoritarian is that centralization. And they quite openly say, you know, the more centralized, the more corporatized, the more authoritarian, the better. That's how they grade things. The, their worst nightmare is my dream, right? My dream is decentralization. My dream is something like what America looked like prior even to World War I when a lot of centralization happened because, again, war is another thing that contributes to these efforts. When it's a war, you can justify restricting people's intake of food. You can garnish their wages. You can demand that they give up their own lives to serve your international goals. It's very, very good for people who want to control things to launch a war. And so World War I kind of messed things up. But prior to that, you had total decentralization of skills, of goods and resources. I mean, if you go to a small Texas town, take like Lockhart, for example, or one of these um, small towns near, uh, near Austin, you find that prior to World War I, every building built is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's, built, it's, it's made of granite and marble, and it's an opera house that would rival anything in a European city. Those didn't get built after World War I. In fact, after World War I, a lot of the old-growth forests were completely destroyed to build ships that are now sunk in the bottom of the ocean. A lot of the skilled workers, the stonemasons, the carpenters, they were all you know shipped off on personnel carriers to be slaughtered by German machine guns. I mean – you were left with nothing at the end of the day because, again, it's not beneficial to those who want to be into control to have a city that's independent with its own power generation and its own economy and its own food sources and farmers who go to the market and trade for goods that are produced and, and constructed within the city and an industrial section that's able to you know, uh, turn raw goods into serviceable you know, mercantile trade. It, that's what they don't want. You know, their vision is the Walmartification of America. Instead of having a little bakery and a little uh, sports goods store and a little hardware store, they want it all in one location. And this, and again, this is what they this is what they say is good for humanity. This is what they want, and they think it's beneficial because they say in the lockstep document you can read. They say, you know, the more large and consolidated an organization, the easier it is to deal with the vicissitudes of life. And we saw it with uh, COVID, didn't we? The small, the small companies, oh, you're too disorganized. You can't handle the measures that we're restricting. But Target and Walmart, well, they have strong central offices and a strong corporate control system where they can output their guidelines and then make sure that they're all being followed by all of the people underneath. So when they want to impose masks or when they want to impose social distancing or when they want to build plexiglass you know, uh, shields around their counters, they have the – excess capital that allows them to do it because they're so large and they have the corporate control structure that allows them to manipulate the behavior of millions at a whim. That's what they prefer. That's what they want. That's what they desire. They don't want Texas to have its own energy grid, right? That's bad to them. They're like, oh no, we need Texas on our, on our grid. Why? I think every city block should have its own energy grid. Why should, why should my neighborhood be tied into the energy grid next door? Wouldn't it be I mean, so like my my dream would be that we pursued the um, you know uh, uh, what's the word the, uh, the shrinking of 
nuclear technology, nuclear energy technology. My dream would be like small nuclear reactors on every city block, right? Unapproached, you can't stop it. You can't attack it. You can't, you know, attack one node and knock out power for an entire area. I mean, that's what makes you strong. Decentralization, having, you know, nodes of power everywhere. That's what they're trying to destroy. That's what they're trying to do away with. And of course, we know they're doing this because they talk about it, because they explain it, because they advertise what they're going to do before they do it. And just like the COVID outbreak was advertised in the lockstep document by the Rockefeller Foundation in partnership with the Global Business Network, Peter Schwartz, just type these names into Wikipedia if you want to go down a rabbit hole. We saw that that was sort of plan B. Plan A was everybody comes along blindly, willingly into our mousetrap, and then we slam it behind them. Plan B was we'll release the virus. They went ahead and did that lockstep uh, situation that they brought about. But then plan C, the third plan, the next step in the enslavement would be cyber attacks, hack attack, they called it. And of course, this was directly in line with the World Economic Forum's advertising of their cyber polygon project. And the same time that cyber polygon was being announced and all of these same people were getting together and organized to prepare for this eventuality that they were predicting would come about, just like they did with the Vint 201 uh, cyber polygon. You had the United States military having a similar military uh, experiment or exercise. But a strange thing has happened recently, and somebody just pointed this out to me on uh, Twitter. The World Economic Forum website that previously talked about cyber polygon it's not there anymore it's gone they've scrubbed it it's a little weird sorry we can't find that page you're looking for wef or weforum.org projects cyber polygon doesn't exist anymore they want you to forget about it now we never said that so you know when the cyber attack comes and we say this was the world economic forum well they've scrubbed it from the internet and they'll say no we never said that we never advertised this you're making things up the answer to 1984 is 1776. InfoWars has been banned. Arrested. 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 Attacked and threatened because we are effective. Great Awakening is here. Go to band.video, download the videos, and share. Support the information war at InfoWarStore.com. And never give up the fight. Fight. InfoWars.com. Two life-changing, life-empowering products are now back in stock after being sold out for months at InfoWarsStore.com. Winter Sun is the highest quality organic vitamin D3 taken out of the tongue. It also has vitamin K, critical for your immune system, and so much more. It's 50% off despite the fact it's going to sell out very, very quickly because everybody needs this. Old, young, black, white, it doesn't matter. You need what's in Winter Sun. And then we have Brain Force Ultra, super fast acting, amazing, clean, nootropic system 
that is a complement to Brain Force Plus and, of course, Turbo Force. All three of these are different formulas, but all three of them take your mind and take your focus and clarity and alertness to the next level. It is 40% off at InfoWarsStore.com for a limited time. Thank you all for your support. If you haven't tried these products, you really need to because they are amazing. InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, folks, I have two more stories to get to before we welcome Savannah Hernandez on the program. Both uh, very similar in their makeup, and I think what they represent is uh, the beginning of the new election season. Yes, we're in midterm elections now, and so the hordes of useful idiot socialist communist scumbag genetic dead ends are now being activated to go after, you know, peaceful, innocent people, victims in many cases of state oppression, to shout them down, uh, deprive them of their rights of freedom of speech or to address people that want to hear what they have to say. And yes, the senseless black shirt hordes of the Antifa Black Lives Matter just complete psychopaths uh, are being unleashed. And we have two examples from just the last two days. The first comes from a California law school where a Georgetown scholar was shouted down by these black-clad communist morons. And you may have heard of this. It's a guy named Ilya Shapiro, who, frankly, I don't agree with, and for the most part, in the first place, I don't even agree with the original tweet that got him in trouble, uh, but here it is. This is a tweet from January 26th. So over a month ago, he said this when it was announced by the Biden administration that they would be choosing a black woman for a seat on the Supreme Court. Now, obviously, if you're a moral or you know you have a moral foundation or if you're a moral person, you understand that judging people by their skin color is – Wrong either way. Even if you're just a person that wants the best person for the job, skin color is not the thing to go on. This is what Ilya Shapiro had to say about it. He said, objectively, the best pick for Biden is Sri Srinivansan or something, who is a solid progressive and very smart, even has identity politics benefit of being first Asian, princes Indian, American. Uh, he means on the court. But alas, doesn't fit into the latest intersectionality hierarchy, so we'll get lesser black woman. Thank heaven for small favors. So again, he's missing, he's missing words, right? He's missing uh, uh, propositions, and, and you know, if he leaves out A or the just to make it fit in the tweet, I think it's pretty clear what he's saying here, right? He's saying the best person for this job would be an Indian woman, and hey, that even is, is progressive because it's, it's not a white person, so it's good. It's good because it's not a white person, so you know, there's that. But he says you know, because they're demanding a black woman, because they're demanding this particular race, then we're going to be given somebody who's not as good as my pick – who's going to be a black woman because that's what they're demanding right now. So he's saying it's, it's pretty simple, actually. Not really that objectionable. I mean, the way he could have phrased it, maybe it would be, instead of saying lesser black woman, if he had more space in the tweet or whatever, he would say a black woman of lesser qualifications, right? And then maybe that wouldn't be objectionable. But because he said lesser black woman, that, that singular phrase, devoid of all context and stripped away from the ongoing discussion as to who should be appointed to the Supreme Court, was taken out of context and presented as if he was calling all black women lesser. 
So if he thought black women were, by virtue of being black women, lesser than other people. Obviously, it's not what he was saying. And I don't agree with this guy. I don't agree that it would be a good thing to have a progressive person who has some sort of you know, benefit because they're not, they're not a white male. It's like I don't agree with that. But at the same time, I, what he's saying was not racist or objectionable. It's, it's quite sensible, in fact. But you know, we're dealing with touchy little children, right? So they don't understand what he said. They just lied to. This guy said lesser black women. What? So he's a racist and thinks black women are lesser? It's ridiculous and retarded. But that's – uh, so are the people that are doing this. So uh, he was at a uh, at the University of uh, California yesterday. Ilya Shapiro, a constitutional scholar who recently found himself in hot water over a tweet about President Biden's Supreme Court nominee, was shouted down by law students in San Francisco video show. Let's show uh, clip number 14 here. Students confront Ilya Shapiro. Try not to kill yourself. Let's watch. The room they're chanting. Love that part. Can we pause real quick? So he just said you're, you're – what do you say? You're a coward. He said you're a bald coward. And Biden's like, yeah, bald. It's like these people have no morals. They have no legitimacy. Their entire movement is supposed to be ostensibly it's about not judging people by their immutable uh, attributes. But they're, they're the first ones to be like, you're a white, fat, bald guy. <laughs> Suck it. And it's just like – you mean nothing. You stand for nothing. You are useful idiots who don't even – you don't even know what you stand for. So let's go to clip number 15 here. Again, students confronting Shapiro. Listen to what they're chanting. Listen to what they're chanting with what I just told you. Remember the tweet I showed you was from January 26th. Keep that in mind. It's important. Listen to what they're chanting this guy. This is your country under progressivism. Just a bunch of masked idiots face. shrieking. Say it to her face. Clapping, chanting, say it to her face. What do they mean by say it to her face? Let's pull it down before I uh, blow something up. Say it to her face, say it to her face. What do you think they mean? What do you think they mean? They mean say to the face of Kintaji Brown Jackson that she's a lesser black woman. When he made this tweet, Kinjaki, whatever her name is, was not, was not chosen as the nominee for the Supreme Court, right? So it's like these – it's so out of context. It's so stupid and ridiculous. When this guy says that here's who I think the best person for the Supreme Court would be, but she's not going to be chosen because she's not the right ethnic makeup. So instead we'll get somebody who's the correct ethnic makeup who is lesser in his opinion, a lesser judge, less qualified. So that was his actual – that was his actual quote in context. What these people are infuriated by is that they think that he called Kinjaki Brown whatever a lesser black, black woman. And they're now chanting, say it to her face, you coward. As if it's like, you'll tweet this out, but you won't say it to her face. They, they don't live in reality. They live in a fantasy. They live in a complete dream world of someone else's creation. Madness, absolute madness. But this isn't the only example. Also yesterday at the University of, God forbid, North Texas of all places, and Current Volt has this story from February 23rd, a UNT student receives death threats from leftist students. University does nothing. Of course they don't do anything. They're in the pocket of these people, and you'll see it in this video. Let's go to clip number 16. This is the University of North Texas because this was an event 
held with uh, young conservatives of Texas at UNT for uh, candidate Jeff Younger. Jeff, you're, you'll be familiar with, was the guy, who, the father, who after he got divorced from his wife, the wife started forcing their son to start dressing and acting like a woman. According to the father, son had no interest in this. When he was uh, on his own, and if it was of his own volition, he didn't want to wear a dress. He was a boy and knew he was a boy and didn't want to be a girl. And the mother said, no, no, you're a girl, and I'm going to put you on hormone blockers and chemically castrate you and turn you into a girl. The father said, that's not right. It's not of this kid's own volition. Even if it was, he's like seven years old. Don't put him on hormone blockers. And the judge sided with the mother and gave the kid to the mother to be mutilated and abused. That's how Jeff Younger came to prominence, and now he's running for office, and he's holding a a campaign event, and this is what it looked like at UNT. Chanting fascist, fascist, fascist at this guy. And uh, there, look, the chant is being led by the professor. It's being led by the professor himself. And uh, there you see, for the future of Texas, can we bring up that last frame there? For, uh, for the future of Texas, and it's talking about, uh, I can't read it that, that far away. But this is University of Texas. This is a university classroom filled with, again, black-clad morons with masks, chanting F.U. fascist, federalism as state nationalism, conservatism as traditionalism, Republican policies as restoration and it's being and the chant is and there's there's I think that's Jeff Younger or at least uh, I believe it is and that girl next to him is wearing a, a red hat that I think to make America great again hat uh, so they're the ones trying to put it on and they're drowned out and shouted down by people calling this guy a fascist a fascist for not wanting little children to be chemically castrated against their will and it's insane that this is happening and it's being led again led by the teacher and previously there had been death threats against the journalist whose name is um, Kelly Neidert. Kelly Neidert uh, had already received death threats. They reported this to the university. The university did nothing about it. So then yesterday when they tried to hold this event, mobs of black-clad communist morons showed up to carry out these death threats to the point that Kelly Neidert was forced to hide, literally hide in a janitor's closet for fear of her life as the police were incapable of safely extricating her from the university. Let's go quickly to clip number seven here uh, and just roll it in the background. She says, I had, to, I had an event where I had to be rushed out of the building for my safety. And uh, you can hear them chanting F-U-F-U as they chase her down and try to attack her. I mean, we have fallen. Uh, here, here's... Here's an idea. Can Vladimir Putin invade us already? Can he free us from these people? Can, please, for the love of God, can we get Russia to come into America and free us from this tyranny? Please. So I did it. I signed up for the Austin Marathon. I've been training probably not as much as I should be, but thank goodness for prayer and thank goodness for InfoWarsStore.com. Before I set out on a run, I throw down some Turbo Force to give me that energy I need to get going. You know, besides the energy, Turbo Force 
It is giving me the vitamins I need, like vitamin C to keep me healthy, and the essential B vitamins, plus the amino acids for sustained energy, giving me the best chance at getting through the training. And then every day now, I'm taking Dr. Jones Soreless. I have bad joints. Thanks, Mom. So this is great for giving my joints the extra support they need right now, plus inflammation support and extra flexibility. The quick-release capsules help me recover fast so I can get back to the training. Even if you're not crazy enough to take on a marathon, good news, Turbo Force, that can still give you the energy and clarity you need for every day, and Soreless can keep you moving and feeling great at any age.